These days, your calendar is supercharged and you find yourself having to pencil in when you need to breathe. As we're always moving and grooving between our offices, homes, studio, and out, we could all take some moments to spend time and hear from our faves and pop culture on what they're up to and how they keep it together as well. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith, a celeb fashion stylist, co-founder and creative style director of At Leisure Mag, co-executive producer and host of a number of shows in our multimedia podcast network, At Leisure Studio. When you plug into Punglo SK, you'll get to hang out with those that, regardless of their background, are juggling their busy lives and have words of empowerment to keep us motivated throughout our day. On today's episode of Bungalow SK, we talk to a creative that we have loved since popping on our radar on CBS's The Amazing Race. Paige Mykoski understands the importance of branding as well as giving her customers the comfort they need to maneuver throughout their day. As the founder of Aviator Nation, she fused her love for design, music, and a retro aesthetic to create a brand that is known for its signature stripes and good vibes for men and women. With her brand popping up on athletes and being styled on such shows as TNT's Animal Kingdom, as well as being included in photo shoots at Athleisure Mag, we find out how being at the right place at the right time has been a significant benefit to Paige's endeavors. about your background as you're an artist, an entrepreneur, you're an athlete, and um, how did this all come together in terms of your background and bringing you to creating Aviator Nation? So yeah, my background is kind of interesting because when I was growing up, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and she was super hands-on, which I think is kind of unique. And I would spend time with her during the day. And every day that I went to her house, she would ask me, what do you want to learn today? And, um, and I would say random things like pottery or it was always very artistic. I had that inside me. Like I wanted to learn a lot of creative things and she would teach me. And it was almost like she knew how to do everything. And, um, and she loved teaching me how to do things. And so anyway, I think that was pretty cool because now, um, with Aviator Nation, I'm super hands-on and I work really closely with my team and I'm sure we'll get, we'll get into that more with building the stores and the designing and all of that. But I think from a young age, I had the desire to learn how to do a lot. And, um, I had my grandmother there teaching me that I could pretty much do anything. Um, so that was really awesome growing up with that. Um, it's also funny to look back on and the entrepreneur thing is interesting because when I was little, I was constantly trying to sell things. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> like I would, first of all, I had a hardcore lemonade stand as a kid. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Like every, like in the summer, I loved doing the lemonade and my mom would make cookies and I'd sit outside and like sell cookies and lemonade and I would just kill it. And it's so funny because, um, I, you know, I just had this, like this desire to, uh, to make money so then I could go and buy stuff, you know? And I think that it was funny because I don't know if my parents just kind of, if they, they just, they didn't just buy me things. They were always all about like, Oh, like if you water the plants, you'll get a dollar a plant or whatever. And it was like, it kind of taught me like, okay, like I can work and I can make money. And then, you know, being an athlete, 
I think was really uh, an important part of this too, because I now, you know, I'm in a super competitive industry. The fashion world is super competitive and, um, and being an athlete, you know, ever since I was a young girl, I, I loved uh, doing sports and team sports were a big thing for me, which I think is important now because um, the, the team that I'm building and the culture with the company, I think um, is a direct, uh, you know, directly comes from my childhood is being on teams and working with other people a lot. And I think that being super competitive um, is something that's just inside me. It's always been there. And so I like to compete because I I really love to win, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, being an athlete and learning that, you know, I was always taught, you know, the more you practice, the better you'll be. And if you, if you practice really hard, then you'll be the best. And, um, and I kind of come from a pretty pretty competitive uh, father and he was he was very involved in all my sports and he always taught me like just practice 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 and and so now you know like it's it's cool because I feel like I can I can compete with um, within the fashion industry because I feel like I can make the best product um, in this in this section and so it's like you know I'm all about constantly making the product better like every every time we do a production I'm all about testing the fabrics and testing new new methods. And, and it's not just about, you know, putting out clothes every few months, like new designs. It's really about continuing to make the product better. And, um, you know, I think it helps that I wear the product because um, it's obviously a big part of, I mean, it's pretty much all I wear. Well, what was that moment when you realized that you wanted to create Aviator Nation? And and what was the reasoning behind coming up with the name? Like it's so first of all, everything about this company is just so unique to me. I love the fact that I can look on your Instagram and literally, like you said, see you building the company and doing different things. I love the brand heritage. I mean, coming from the fashion stylist side and being a visual merchandiser for a number of years, there is such a um continuity in the brand. And even when it goes into other areas in terms of like I love the five stripe. I'm such a five stripe girl. But I also love the other types of things that you have and seeing the different people that I've put it on and their faces looking at it. So I just think that's a hats off to you to making something that's so versatile and so gender fluid. Um, I think that's also another awesome part of it, too. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I think that, well, first of all, it all kind of started with um, a personal obsession with clothes that are super comfortable um, and that had this like colorful look to them. So basically when I was, I was living in California at the time and I just actually had a job in a surf shop and I was doing photography and um, I I had kind of a variety of jobs, which is kind of random, but um, I did not go to school for fashion. I did not go to school for business. Um, I I actually went to school for journalism and um, and just because I was always, I always loved to write and I I love to tell stories. And, um, and so it's funny when I moved to California, I was, I was kind of interning for shape magazine for a little while. And I realized that I loved the culture and I loved the stories, but I just couldn't see myself working in an office environment. And, um, and so I, I got a job at a surf shop and I started to get into the, the retail world through that. And I learned, 
learned, you know, how fun it can be to, to work like at a mom and pop shop. And, um, and so I think that was like the beginning of just my experience with the retail world. But what happened was, um, I, I personally like had these ideas for clothes that I wanted to find. And I literally like could not find what I wanted. I would go to, I would go shopping and, and clothes were never soft enough for me. Um, I like, it's really funny. I'm, I've always been obsessed with like my dad's old t-shirts and stuff because they're so much softer than everything out there. And so then I realized you can buy stuff like that in like thrift stores. So I would start shopping in thrift stores and look for old t-shirts. And, and I just liked the way those broken in garments felt. And, but then it was like, of course, not the right fit. Mm -hmm. And so I would find myself like chopping off the bottom or cutting off the sleeves or basically I was manipulating garments that I would find in thrift stores. And finally, it just dawned on me. I think I had a t-shirt that I found in a thrift store and I loved the way it fit. And I was like, you know, I want all my t-shirts to fit like this. So I literally took the t-shirt apart. I laid out paper and I made a pattern and I, and I went and bought a sewing machine and I like taught myself to sew. And it was, it was literally something I was doing for myself because I could not find garments that felt the way I wanted them to feel. And, and then when I realized I could make other garments, you know, fit the same way as my favorite t-shirt by making patterns and learning to sew, I realized, you know, I can put the designs I want on these garments too. And I had these these ideas in my head. And at the time, I didn't know how to screen print or anything like that. So what made sense to me was to get a bunch of different t-shirts in different colors. So I had like colored fabric and I I would cut out like the design that I wanted. So if I wanted a sunset or stripes or whatever, and it was pretty simple because, you know, my skill set was pretty, you know, like, I mean, I had no experience basically. So I'm like, okay, like I'm going to cut out stripes and sew stripes on this garment. And it was looking super cool. And because that was so simple um, for me and, and the reason we do this like applique technique that we do now, which is applique is basically fabric sewn on top of fabric, um, was because when I started, that was the way that it made sense to me to put a design onto a garment because I did not have this, you know, big experience and I didn't know how to make seams and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, so anyway, yeah, it started with me just making clothes for myself. And then once I started to do that, yep. I was wearing the clothes around town and I was living in Venice and um, and working at the surf shop and wearing these clothes to work. And everyone around me was just like, what is that? You know, what is the brand you're wearing? And I would tell them, you know, oh, I made this myself. And, um, and it was just crazy. I mean, I would get stopped three to five times a day. It was like, I would go to CVS and then the grocery store and and then, and everywhere I went, people were asking me about the shirt. And I just thought, this is nuts. I mean, I'm getting so much attention on these clothes and, and, and it really felt good. You know, it felt good to have people tell me they loved what I was wearing. And, um, and, and it kind of, it, I realized that not only did it feel good, but the clothes were comfortable because I made them with these really soft old t-shirts and, um, the colors were attracting people. And 
so it kind of just hit me, you know, maybe I can make these clothes and sell them um, and make this my job. And so I actually did the Abbott Kinney Street Festival was my very first time to sell the clothes. I, I sewed a bunch of clothes up and and sold them at the booth that day and, and made like $7,000 or something crazy. And so that was kind of when I when I realized, whoa, I can actually do this. You know, I can I can make a business out of making clothes and clearly people like the stuff that I like too. Uh, so that was that was kind of the beginning, which is crazy. That is crazy. So where did the name? I love the name. Where did the name come from? Yeah. So I grew up. My favorite movie of all time is Top Gun, and <laughs> I know it's super funny. And um, yeah, I had the movie poster on my wall. I still have it in my office. Um, I loved that movie, and um, and I always loved the style of Tom Cruise and uh, you know Kelly McGinnis and like. Those the, the aviator sunglasses was such a key key part of that um, that style and that look and I just kind of always felt like and so anyway when I was little I had aviator sunglasses and you know all through high school and college and stuff aviator sunglasses was always my go-to. And I just kind of thought, you know, I had this collection of vintage aviator sunglasses sitting um, on my desk when I was thinking about the name for the company. And I looked at them and I just was like, you know, I really love aviator sunglasses. And I love that word aviator. And and I feel like this brand is going to bring people together. So I um, just with the attention and the people that were coming toward me when I was wearing it. And so the nation kind of came from that. And I just said, you know, aviator nation sounds cool. It's like, you know, I want to bring people together. I want to make clothes that, you know, you put them on and you feel great. And I've always felt like my aviator shades did that. I could have had like, you know, a long night in college and the next morning I throw on those shades and I looked great. You know what I mean? It's like (laughs) the aviator sunglasses are just like the go-to. And so I wanted the clothes to be like the go-to for people buying them. I love the comfort. I love how they feel. And to your point, when you're walking around with it, people just literally stare, especially when you have like the velvety, like there's just such a red Retro vibe to it, and so how how do you get your inspiration when you're creating these collections? Yeah, so I, you know, a lot of times I will just rant, totally randomly think of something that I want to put into clothes, and. I, it's, I know it's odd and, and, and no, my mom is like, never understood it. She's like, you are always like doing the, the most crazy things when, with, with your fashion. And I think that it's just like, sometimes things just pop in my head and I'm like, Oh, I want to see what that color combination would look like. And color is, is just a huge part of my brain. Um, it just, you know, I'm always wanting to put colors together. I have, um, I have Pantone books like everywhere and I'm always putting combinations together. And, and I carry actually a Ziploc bag of like fabric and all different colors, like everywhere I go, because I'll literally be at the beach and I'll, I'll be like, you know what, like, I want to see like this color with this color. And so, so colors just something that comes to me, but I'm definitely surrounded by old things. I go to flea markets all the time because I love collecting um, vintage stuff. I mean, I have hundreds of vintage skateboards and surfboards. And um, I've always been really into kind of retro stuff from the 70s. And um, I have a ton of uh, vinyl. So album covers, I think, are a part of my inspiration because I'm playing vinyl all the time. And, um, you know, so I think that the old stuff that kind of is around me 
inspires me also. It must because I'm surrounded by it. But um, but the color thing is just something that's inside me. It's weird. I you know a lot. Sometimes I'll go to a, like a rock show. I go to a lot of concerts. That's pretty much what I do for entertainment. I don't. I don't go like, I don't go to bars a lot. I'm not extremely social, but I love music and I love concerts and festivals and stuff like that. So I remember um, when I thought about the Velvet, for example, I was kind of backstage at a rock show and I was inspired by Velvet kind of curtains and stuff like that. And so it definitely came from rock and roll. And I think there's a lot of velvet in um, kind of the rock and roll world, you know? So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think sometimes um, my lifestyle of whether it's being at Venice Beach or um, being at a rock show or stuff like that definitely plays a little bit into my inspiration. Well, in terms of product assortment, you know, you know, you have the apparel, you have the accessories, you also have surfboards. Do you see anything else that you would continue to grow into Aviator Nation? Because it really is a lifestyle brand. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I, I love, I mean, I love creating new things, you know, whether it's clothing or, um, or stores or, you know, the thing is, I just love building things from scratch. And I see myself, um, I definitely see myself creating some new products. It's funny because it's like, I want to do everything, but I try to force myself not to because I'm like, okay, this could definitely be taken the wrong way because I don't want... I don't want to be that brand that just tries to do everything immediately. So I try to kind of to draw it back and be like, all right, like, what are you really passionate about right now and focus on Mm -hmm. something. And so we just came out with outerwear um, this last year. And that was something I was super passionate about that we were not doing. um, Because I love I love snowboarding. And I love the mountains. And I'm always throwing on a jacket. And I wanted that jacket to be Aviator Nation. And and so that was, you know, a big passion for me and something that I thought was important just because I feel like the right jacket is like a game changer. You know, it's like a, a jacket that you can travel with, but, you know, stands up to the elements, but is not too hot, not too cold. And like, I had all these like kind of things that I really wanted to put into the outerwear. And um, I started developing it. It took me a couple years to develop. And it's a big passion project for me because I really feel like the jacket that we make is, I mean, totally amazing. It's crazy. It's super warm. So I, I found this insulation that um, was kind of beyond what is being used right now, even with high-end like performance jacket. Um, I did a lot of research on what other companies are doing and, and, I, and I figured out how to basically get the platinum version of the insulation that these other companies are buying, like the silver. Um, and so the thing is, you know, there's there are people that are making like different things like the insulation and the nylon material and stuff but they're doing like you know this they're they're doing things better but nobody wants to spend the money on it because it's like okay well you know a lot of people would say oh well let's let's buy the $20 fabric rather than the 40 because it's not that big of a difference you can't really tell but see I'm all about like I don't care. I'm like, I want the best quality because it's for me too. And I love pushing the envelope with quality. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I basically just went out there and did a ton of research and found amazing materials. And anyone that has one of my jackets understands because it's like a super lightweight jacket, but it's extremely warm, but it also will like pack down into your backpack. And um, so anyway, I think the jackets like are really incredible, but there's other things that I'm passionate about too. Like for instance, high top tennis shoes. Um, I'm super into that. So um, right now, I mean, I have like a big collection myself and I'm just, I'm always thinking like it would be so cool to make shoes. So I could see myself maybe getting into doing a collection of high tops. Um, But, you know, just stuff that really makes sense for me personally that I'm passionate about because I feel like when I do that, it's more authentic. And the people that are the fans of the brand, you know, they're all about authentic. And I think everybody is becoming more about authentic. I think that um, I think that that's a huge thing in business. And lucky for me, the brand has been really authentic since day one because it started with me making clothes for myself. So you know that with the quality and the products that we come out with, you know, if it's not good enough for me, then I'm not going to put it on the shelf. And I'm extremely picky. Well, I like your pickiness. I love your pickiness. I love how they photograph. Yeah. I love how it feels. Like it was just like, whoa, this is amazing because I've literally traveled in it. Oh my god. It's so soft. It's so comfortable. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, it really is like, it's crazy comfortable. And, um, and I mean, I'm like, I'm turning down washes all the time. I mean, because I'm like, that is not good enough. Like that's not soft enough. You know, I mean, the people that work in my production, um, you know, they just at times are like, this is crazy. This is so soft. And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not soft enough, (laughs) but I'm just like wild about just having things feel like you're not wearing anything. Like that's always, been my motto is like the best thing, the best feeling is not wearing clothes at all. So like if we're going to make clothes, we should make them feel like you're not really wearing clothes, which is um, what I like to think the sweats feel like. It's just kind of like an extension of your body because it's so soft. Yeah. Wow. Well, at what point, you know, in having the successful business, did you realize that you wanted your own retail locations? And what was it like opening that first store? Yeah, so it's pretty funny story. Um, In 2009. So I started the company in 2006. And, um, and at that point, I was making the clothes in my garage in the beginning. And I was, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And, um, and I was uh, running the company just out of my apartment. And um, this was in Venice. And, um, I had like two employees and a couple interns and we were all working in my apartment and I realized that, okay, this, you know, I, we really need to get some kind of an office space at this point, you know? And so I started looking around in Venice and I mean, any kind of office was so expensive. And, and at the time, you know, I, when I started the company, I did not get like a big investment or anything. It was pretty much like we would sell the clothes and then we would like use that money to make the next collection or whatever. And so when I needed an office, I just could not figure out, I was like, you know, I don't know how we're going to be able to afford an office in Venice beach. And I wanted to be in Venice beach. And so, um, um, so anyway, I was walking around on Abbott Kinney, which was just a block from my apartment at the time. Abbott Kinney was um, was more like secondhand stores. And you know, this was 2009. This is kind of before the craziness of Abbott Kinney. And um, I was walking around and and there was there was like an artist um, living in this space that uh, is now our Abbott Kinney store. And I and he had art in the front and then there was a courtyard. And then in the back, there was this like kind of 
garage. And I, and I've now learned that it was an old auto garage, but, but I thought it was cool that it was like two separate buildings. And it kind of dawned on me that if I could find a space like that, it would be great because I could have an office in the back and then I could sell the clothes in the front and it would pay for the office and I could learn what people like. Um, it just kind of, it seemed like a great way to get in front of the customer is to really be able to see how they shopped and what they liked and let people try it on almost kind of like a showroom, um, you know, more than a retail store. And so it was kind of an idea to create a way to pay for the office and sell the clothes and get more research. And um, so anyway, when I saw that spot, I actually told that artist, I was like, hey, it wasn't for rent or anything. I was like, hey, if you ever leave here, I was like, I would love to take over your lease. And and I kind of just, I feel like I manifested it because literally like a couple days later, he called me and he was like, hey, I've been wanting to travel and um, I'm going to let you take over my lease. And I, and so anyway, that was how I got the Abbott Kinney store. And, um, and as soon as we moved in there, we set up the office in the back and we, you know, put the clothes on tables in the front. I actually decided to turn the patio into a little, um, a little stage because I, I love music. And I was like, you know, I have this patio as like, it'd be cool to have my friends be, have a place to come play music. And so, yep. yeah, so I built a little stage in the patio and, um, and that was the beginning. That was the first store. I, I didn't really know what I was doing, obviously, because I had no experience in this. So I, I took all my personal stuff and like put it on the wall. So that's how the stores, um, decorations kind of came about is like, you know, the walls are covered in vinyl and skateboards and all this stuff, because that was literally my personal stuff. Um, and, uh, and all those stores have like vintage furniture and stuff because I bought stuff at flea markets. Um, and that was kind of how the first store came about is I basically built the store on no money. Um, and we painted all the walls, like me and my friends and my mom actually helped me paint and like, you know, painting the walls, cool designs cost nothing. And so you know, we, we bought a bunch of colors of paint and like put stripes and, and designs on the walls. And so that was how we built the first store and everyone just loved it because it was so handmade and it kind of matched the clothing. Um, and uh, I actually played vinyl because I had a record player and I thought, oh, it'd be cool to play vinyl. And so now all of our stores are literally built the same exact way. Like we play vinyl, we put vinyl on the walls, we, um, you know, a lot of the decor is actually just painting. Um, and so anyway, it's kind of funny how it started with just me doing what seemed like, you know, the natural way to decorate a room. Um, and then it kind of became the stores kind of became a way to walk into the brand. And once I saw customers come into the stores, and not only love the environment of the store, um, because they would sit down and they would want to hang out and read a book. And I mean, people would stay for hours. And yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Like the store on Abbott Kinney, I ended up putting a ping pong table on the patio and it became a total hangout. But then people would shop and I would talk to them about the clothes. And it was like a perfect breeding ground for learning about my customer. And um, yeah, and it was really fun. And, and so anyway, when I opened that first store, which was basically to pay for the office, I just realized how much I loved having a store and how much I loved getting to really talk to the customer. And and, um, and how much I was learning from being able to interact with the customer directly. So it's, it's an interesting way to get into the brick and mortar business, but um, it obviously the store paid for the office and it all worked out. 
I mean, I think that's amazing. And I, I know that you have a store in Austin because I saw during South by and you have the other stores in California. What is the process that you go by in terms of deciding when to open a store? And will there ever be some like in New York, in the Hamptons, Miami? Yeah. So the process is really me um, choosing places that I personally love to hang out. The way I look at it now, it's like, you know, your work is your life, really. So and especially when you own your own business. So I mean, if I'm going to spend time building a store, and if I'm going to be traveling to check on the store and all of that, I want it to be somewhere that I want to travel to and that I want to hang out. And of course, I'm, I'm my customer completely. So I'm like, well, if I like these places, I think my customer probably likes these places. So I really have chosen places that I just love the community. I grew up, um, I grew up going to Austin a lot. Um, I grew up actually in North Texas in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And my, uh, my family, my grandparents had a place in Austin and in the Hill Country, and we would go down there. And I, I just always loved the town. I loved how artistic it was. I love how forward thinking the people are down there. And I just, I just always loved Austin. I love the lake life. I grew up water skiing um, a lot. And so, you know, that whole kind of outdoors, lots of trees, um, lots of hiking, um, that whole deal really. And of course, the music in Austin, there's, um, there's good shows all the time. And so that took me to Austin too. But um, so yeah, that was really the reason for Austin. And then growing up, I also went to Colorado a lot and I visited Aspen um, all the time. And I've just always been obsessed with Aspen. And I opened a store in Aspen a couple years ago. And um, that was my first kind of mountain location. Uh, and then in, in California, it's really the same thing. It's just communities that I really love. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of, I'll be on a trip. And I mean, I was actually down in La Jolla about a year ago and I was hiking and I just kind of fell in love with the town. And, and that's why I decided to open a store there. Um, and I have a few other places that, uh, that I definitely love. And one of them is New York for sure. I love the Hamptons personally. Um, and I also love Brooklyn. Um, so I'm looking constantly for the right spot, but I'm super, um, I'm super picky about the actual location. It has to be a building that I just feel like fits the brand. And, and I, and really since day one, the spaces have all kind of delivered themselves. It's like, I'll put a feeler out there and, um, and I'll wait for it. And that's what I did uh, with, with the Aspen store. It's right across from a park and it's like a really old building. And, um, and when I was little, I used to shop in that store. It was like a, it was kind of like a mountaineering store and it's kind of, it has like an A-frame, um, structure. And so anyway, like literally I think four years before I got the lease I just told somebody in town that I really wanted that building and literally four years later um, somebody called me and and told me it was coming available so I I did the same thing with hate Ashbury I I just love hate Ashbury because I love music and the history and the culture there and um, even though it's not a super um, it's a little rough around the edges, I guess you could say. Um, but I love the history there and the summer of love and the summer of, you know, 69 and 68 and all the stuff that happened there and, and the Grateful Dead and Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and all the artists that kind of got started in that area. Mm -hmm. And so 
I basically told a real estate person in San Francisco, I said, I want to be on the corner of Haight and Ashbury and I will wait 20 years if I have to. And um, because that corner is, uh, you know, super like that's like the famous corner because that's where like a lot of the free dead shows would happen. And that was like the intersection of all of the crazy stuff going on. And a lot of the free concerts and stuff that would break out there would happen on that corner. And so anyway, I kind of just told the person and they thought I was nuts. And uh, sure enough, a couple years later, um, the, the the corner was there was like a, a thrift store on the corner, it was, you know, like a vintage store or whatever, but they, um, the building got sold, and then they raised the rent up or whatever. And so they called me and of course, I took it. So, um, so we have the corner of Hayton Ashbury, which is a pretty special location to me. Um, but you know, so all of the locations, I'm in no hurry, I should say, you know, I'm, I'm not really like, Oh, my God, I need to open 10 stores right now. I'm, I'm really more about like, I want very specific locations and like the perfect building in each town. And if somebody uh, comes to me and is like, oh, I have this spot in Brooklyn that's perfect. And I look at it and I feel like it's perfect, then I'm going to take it. But um, but right now, um, I have been trying to find the right spot in Brooklyn for years. And uh, I will say that uh, there are a few that people have sent me recently that I'm going to go look at and they could be it. And, uh, and I've looked at a lot. I've looked at a lot, but it's just, you know, I also feel like timing is like the universe is in control. And, and, you know, so everything is kind of supposed to happen when it is. And I do feel like the right time for the East Coast is here. Um, so I do think it's going to happen soon. I think that something um, and I and I want to do the Hamptons and I want to do the city. So I'll probably end up I'll probably end up doing Brooklyn just because I really love it. And whenever I go to the city, I end up finding myself wanting to hang out in Brooklyn. Um, I mean, I love Manhattan also, and uh, I love Soho and I love Nolita and there's a lot of cool areas. Um, I love actually the Bowery. I love the Bowery Hotel. Um, so, you know, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to end up, but I definitely want to have a store in the Hamptons and I want to have a store in New York. So hopefully that will happen soon. Well, that, that would be amazing. And I love that it seems like you partner with a number of events like the Austin City Limits and, and Global Citizen Festival. How important is that to you to showcase your brand and to be aligned in that way? Yeah, it's super important. Um, it it really happened organically. So when I opened my first store in Venice on Abbot Kinney, I built that stage um, in the patio. And that was kind of the beginning of really getting involved in the music world. Um, I always say, you know, if you build it, they will come kind of like field of dreams. Um, but so that's really what I did. I built the stage and, and sure enough, I mean, I actually had all kinds of artists um, wanting to play on our little patio in Venice and doing that was such a cool experience and um, getting to know the artist and, and creating a place for them to play. And um, I mean, I've had so many great bands play on my stages. I mean, I foster the people um, like rolled in there one day and played a show and it was, it was like a couple months before they got huge, which was so cool, you know, and, and that was happening all the time. And, and now I have other stores and other stages. A lot of my stores have stages. And so, um, and I'm always saying yes to artists, you know, that want to play and, and, and it's so fun. And so anyway, one day, um, somebody from Austin City Limits Festival actually walked into my Venice store and, um, and they just loved what I was doing. And, and, 
the unique thing about it was I personally love Austin City Limits Music Festival. And and so when I met that person, it was just such a unique moment. Um, They were like, oh my God, I love what you're doing. Um, You should do something with our festival. And I was like, oh my God, I love your festival. I'm from from Texas. Um, I love Austin. And so that was the very first event that I really got involved in um, was the Austin City Limits Music Festival. And that was in 2012. And when I did that festival, it was funny because I go to music festivals a lot. Obviously, it's a big part of my life. And and I'm always kind of feeling like, you know, I don't want music festivals to be super commercialized. Like I'm all about, um, you know, that kind of old school vibe, you know, I mean, like I like to imagine what Woodstock would have been. And, you know, uh, I'm just like, you know, I love when festivals are not super built up and commercialized. And the one in Austin uh, really is, I mean, it's a lot less commercialized than others. And, and the thing is, you know, it's surrounded by trees and you're on grass and all this stuff. And, and so anyway, uh, Another big thing was I felt like the artist, because I'm friends with a lot of artists now, and back then I was too, because at that point it was three years into having stages. And and a lot of the artists were just kind of burnt out, I noticed. And especially on the festivals, like, you know, it's like it was always, um, you know, just something that was fun, but like exhausting. And I feel like they would show up, they'd play a show, and then they'd get back on the road. And, and I have a lot of friends that are in the music world. And I know what it's like to be on tour. I've actually joined friends on tour before and it's grueling. When the people at Austin City Limits like came into my store and they were like, let's get in, let's get you involved in what we're doing. And, and, and they asked me, they said, well, Paige, if you could do anything, you know, what would you do? And, and that was such an interesting moment for me. And I sat there and I thought about it and said, you know, I want to do something for the artist, you know, because I feel like the artist, you know, they just have those basic trailers backstage. They go in there, you know, everyone has their beer and their water and whatever, and they play the show and then they leave. And it's like, that's it. And I'm like, back in the day, the artists used to sit around and play music together and get to know each other and become friends. And it was just different. And I know that because of my friends in the industry and like their parents or people like Graham Nash and, you know, people that people that were actually in that world. And, 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 you know, I've read a lot of books and, and, and seen a lot of documentaries. And I know like how different it was back in those days. And so I'm always all about restoring the past. So I told them, you know, what if I built a teepee backstage that was big enough for like, you know, people to hang out in. And it was just a place for the artists to chill kind of like in between their sets. And they loved it. And, um, and so they said, yeah, that's amazing. Like, you know, I love the idea. And they basically let me build a teepee backstage. And it was in the area where only the artist and the artist, like immediate friends and family could be. And and I designed the thing. I drew it like and I had these guys um, up in this like Native American guys actually like make it out of fabric. And, and it was all hand painted. And and, um, and so it like has this really cool kind of rainbow look to it. And, um, and we set it up backstage at ACL and it was the most incredible thing I've ever witnessed. Basically I, I set up this teepee and I put, I, I bought like some old instruments, some vintage guitars and stuff. And I had them in there and I had candles and a couch and, you know, blankets. And it was just super chill, like nothing commercial at all. Um, like, you know, I, they were like, do you want signage? I was like, no, I don't want signage. Like I, I just want to do a teepee. And so anyway, I set up this teepee and, and the next thing I, and I did make t-shirts. So I made 
t-shirts that I was going to give to the artist as a gift. Um, just because, you know, I mean, I make clothes. So I was like, okay, I want to make a really cool shirt. And I also thought, you know, these artists, they come to these concerts and, you know, they don't really get like concert gear, but that's cool. To, so, I, so I wanted to make a shirt that I felt like they would wear, like not like a typical concert shirt, but so I made, so I designed this really cool kind of vintage looking t-shirt that said Austin City Limits on it, but it was, um, it was a cool kind of, um, it wasn't like a typical looking concert shirt. It actually said on the back, it's, it's all about the music. And, um, because I felt like it was all about the artist, you know, because that's what, I felt like a festival would be better if the artists were super stoked. And so to me, the fest music festival is really all about the music. And so I put, it's all about the music on the back and, um, and I made this t-shirt. And so literally all day for like the full weekend, artists would come into the TP, they would sit down, they'd pick up a guitar and they would be jamming out. And it was like, I mean, we had the Alabama shakes and Phoenix like jamming together. I mean, we had like all these music that were huge um, in there just playing music and like Leon Bridges came in one time I'll never forget and sat down and started playing a song and he's like you know he was like and it, he, he said that he like just made up that song like he was inspired in the teepee to like write a new song and I was just like this is crazy this is exactly what I wanted to happen and all the artists really started to love the teepee and um, and then I gave him a t-shirt and so what was funny about it is I would give him this t-shirt after they just had this awesome experience, like hanging out with me and my little team at the time, you know, I had a really small staff and, um, and then they would put the t-shirt on sometimes and then they would even wear it on stage. And, and so it, it was so crazy because the artists were being seen walking around, um, you know, and wearing these, wearing the t-shirt on stage and everyone of course wanted the t-shirt because they're like, what is that shirt? It's not available. Where is it? You know, where can I get it? The artists loved it. And it was super authentic for them because they had just met me and my team and they like, and of course the shirt was super soft and um, they probably had a bag full of dirty clothes. So they're like, yeah, a new t-shirt, super soft. And so anyway, um, it was really funny because that was the, the people at ACL came to me and they're like, everyone wants to buy the shirt that you made for the artist. They're like, we have to make these shirts and sell them. And so I said, okay, well invite me back next year. I'll make the same shirt. We'll put it in the, um, the merchandise area for sale. And I mean, the stuff was like their biggest selling item. It was crazy. And so that was kind of, um, the start of me doing festival merchandise. Um, and now we've done the ACL merchandise since 2012. So I guess we're on to like year seven or something. And I've done a lot of other festival uh, festival shirts. And, and we do a similar thing when we do other festivals. A lot of times we'll take the TP. Um, we definitely like to get to know uh, the artist and, and do something for them backstage whenever we get the opportunity to do that. And, you know, we try to make shirts that don't look like a typical festival garment. Like my thing is I'm all about making gear that people will want to continue wearing. Um, because I mean, you know, as the customer myself, a lot of times I'll go to a festival and buy a shirt and never wear it. So, I mean, what you want is to buy a shirt that is actually cool that you want to wear and that feels great from day one. And, and so I try to, I try to do that when I make festival gears, I try to make something that is more fashionable that people will actually want to continue wearing. Um, but that's how it all started, which was kind of crazy and organic. That's amazing. I, I love how all of your stories are so organic and hearing you speak and 
knowing the line and, and being like, wow, I can see that you're manifesting the heck out of stuff <laughs> to make them just pop up. <laughs> Isn't that so wild? I mean, I feel like it's like I really do feel like my life is just like one manifestation after another. It's so crazy how like if you really listen to the universe, you know, if you really say, OK, I love this and and you and you do that, you know, or it's just it's wild how that really kind of just takes on, um, you know, it's like an animal. It just like comes in and it just kind of takes over and then you just have to hold on and make sure that you're doing everything as best as you can and not let, you know, everything turn into a, a big rush. I'm all I'm always about like take it slow and, and choose the right things. And um, yeah, but it's it's definitely been an adventure. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Bungalow SK. Make sure to follow, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow and listen on additional podcast platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Himalaya, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Premium. Bungalow SK is a member of the multimedia podcast network, Athleisure Studio, part of Athleisure Media and Athleisure Mag. You can see our show notes at athleisurestudio.com backslash bungalow hyphen SK and follow us on Instagram at bungalow.sk to find out who we're talking with, as well as what our guests are up to. Bungalow SK is a executive produced by myself and Paul Farkas with sound editing by the Athleisure Studio team. Our music is courtesy of Icons 8 with Forever T performing Renaissance. I'm your host, Kimmy Smith, and I'll see you next week at Bungalow SK.